Hello again. Welcome to another edition of the Brattlecast. If you like books, old, rare, out of print, new, it doesn't matter. You came to the right place. Books and all kinds of things that accompany books is what we talk about. I'm Jordan Rich, along with Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop, a true gem in Boston and around the country. And uh, we're going to talk about salesman sample books. And some might say, well, what could possibly be interesting about those? First of all, what are we talking about? Well, what we're talking about, there have always been sample books that people carry on or sample things, but particularly when you had traveling salesmen, and this was more from about the 1870s, 80s, up to the turn of the century, uh, there were a lot of publishers would put out books and authors even, with the idea that they would go to door-to-door selling them. And with the, the idea was, well, if you go door-to-door selling them directly, then you avoid the retail store. I like retail stores, though. Uh, but you would avoid the retail stores, and that margin that they take, you could, you could take more of the margin. And, you know, each salesman would be going around to friends and seeing colleagues or going further afield. And uh, they would get their commission on the sales, and that's where they were. But they're interesting because when people first see them, many times they have no idea what they are. They look like they're missing a lot of pages. Uh, And there are collectors who collect salesman sample books just because they want to get a whole collection of different sample books. Also, a lot of very famous books were done in salesman sample by publishers. And so if you're collecting, let's say, Mark Twain, maybe you want a salesman sample book of Huckleberry Friend. And those sample books are actually quite rare in many cases because the whole idea was that salesmen would have them. They didn't care as much about the book. They cared about selling them. Once they were done and did their route and got their orders in, nobody, no real reason to keep them. So they can be a whole area of collecting. And I, I've recently been out to a few estates uh, and got in a couple in. And then a lady emailed me. Uh, she had actually seen me on the Antiques Roadshow and, uh, in California. And she had a salesman sample book of a book that I appraised on the Antiques Roadshow and said, would you be interested in the sample book? And it was a great story. I, I actually had never quite seen the sample book. So that's sort of what I wanted to talk about this time. So they and, date back quite a ways, apparently. Well, they, they, they really got popular in around the 1870s, post-Civil War, up until about World War I. And the idea of them is that you would have a book, you would have the binding, then you'd open it up, and it would have a couple of very different bindings. And then in the back, it might even have another binding. So when you're ordering the book, the salesman would say, well, do you want the fancy leather binding? Do you want the calf leather binding? Do you want the plain cloth binding? And then what they would have is a maybe about 50 pages of the book to show you, give you a sampling of it, maybe a few of the illustrations that were there to give you a real sense of the book. But They'd only have 50 or 60 pages because the one I'm holding up now is President Grant's memoirs. And I have uh, did an appraisal of that in uh, Michigan recently on the Antiques Road show. And Grant, when he was dying, 
Uh, he was impoverished. He was running out of money. Uh, he was convinced to write his memoirs to help support his wife and his family. Mark Twain was the publisher. And what happened was basically um, Grant died like a week before this book came out. But it's interesting. Uh, there's also a few yellow slips in this. Opposite this page, there will be a fine facsimile of the terms of the General Lee's surrender and on sort of saying a copy of the original document. Then at the very back of this sample book, um, if I can find the, the page, it says, the book is finished. Because when they first started going out, nobody was sure that Grant was actually going to finish the book. And they said the, the complete manuscript is done. So that's sort of assuring people that if you order it, that the book is done. And then at the back is a personal memoirs. It tells you the different price scales. And then there's blank pages, lined paper, that you would get the name down, the person who wanted it, what they paid, what, what they would get when they did it. Now, whoever was the sample on this one, uh, I see one, two, three, one person spent $9, one, seven, one, nine, but they only got three orders. And, you know, I remember when I was a little kid, sometimes they would have you go around selling Valentines or that type of thing. And, and basically the idea was you get a few friends and relatives, but it was a way to sell. In a way, this is what they did back in 1885 when this book came out. Grant was incredibly popular. And, one of, and Mark Twain was an incredibly marketing person. And what he did is 20 years after a war ends, a war seems much better than it did mm. during the war. Right. You tend to forget all of the bloodshed, the disaster. So the Civil War, 20 years later, it's the veterans, the remembering, the heroes. So they had, Twain had men dressed in their Civil War Union uniforms traveling all over the neighborhoods, the countries. They all had these sample books. They were all pushing Grant's memoirs. Grant died of uh, mouth cancer a week after he finished, but it was one of the best-selling books of the era. His wife essentially got the equivalent of a few millions of dollars, well made her retirement fine. And this is sort of a memoir of that. And and as I recall, people over the years, critics have said it, of all the presidential books and memoirs, his is by far the best in terms of the way it's written and the depth of writing, et cetera. Well, it, it's actually one of the best military autobiographies because it covers from his uh, youth to the end of the Civil mm -hmm. War. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the best presidential, and I think he probably would have gone on I mean, best military, he probably would have gone on to cover his presidency, except he, he barely died. made it through the right. writing. And it was it was a fabulous book. I've read it. Uh, and I would recommend it to anybody who likes military, military history, leadership, how things get done, the logistics behind saying, gee, if you want to go out, uh, you can't just say, send the army in and it will be done. It's all of the planning, all of the background, all getting the equipment, the food, the troops. What happens if it rains? What, how do you plan for contingent? And it's very clearly and very plainly written, as opposed to many Victorian writers. So, Ken, these were 
salesman on the road selling a particular product, in this case, a book. And uh, there were other salesmen on the road selling pots and pans. I mean, it, this is the way manufact not manufacturing, marketing was done back then. Well, it was even the way sometimes manufacturing was done because sometimes people would, um, they would have like a desk or a business item and they would have a little miniature made of the piece of furniture or mm -hmm. of the machine that a salesman could manage to carry around and bring around. So Personal Memoirs of Grant, the interesting thing about this, if you have a copy of the Personal Memoirs of Grant in the plain green cloth in very good condition, it sells for about $250 or so. The Salesman's Simple Book, we're probably going to price it around either $1,250 or $1,500. Is that because of the rarity of it? It's because of the rarity and the collector wanting it. And right. what we're even thinking of doing, we do have a green copy and we might package it together uh, to, because the book shows up a lot. The salesman sample, I actually, this is the first one I've ever had of Grant's memoirs. So it's interesting, but there are all sorts of other ones. We have one called American Landmarks. And this one has sort of gives large bindings and what you can get. One of the things that they almost always did with the sample book, they had three or four different bindings that went with it. With it and they would try to upsell, essentially. Okay, you can buy the green cloth for $7, but if you get the leather one, it might be $9. If you get the deluxe leather, it might be 10 or $12. And maybe, you know, with Grant, that's as far as one, but with some others, it would be, well, maybe you want one with the original plates in an etched form. Uh, you could, and there was always something to sell you a little bit more. I probably, book-wise, what I think would be the most recent example that still goes back away is when you used to have the encyclopedia salesman for Britannica oh, or sure. Americana come Pumpkin to your wagons. house. Yeah. You feel you want to buy it. But, oh, wait a minute, maybe you want the yearly supplements. Maybe you want the nicer binding. Oh, the upsell. you get the uh, library, uh, the Annals of America, which is a great encyclopedia of American history. Maybe you want to get that too. And there was always something that could maybe get you to spend a little more money for the publisher, the salesman to get a little more. And, and so this is a larger book. It's actually heavier than Grant. I wouldn't want to carry this around much. And uh, it has pictures of famous places like um, this is the tomb of General Marion. Another one is the home of Alexander Hamilton. And they're just beautiful pictures, but same idea. You go around and, and you buy these. I'd say one of the latest uh, examples that I've seen of this type of book, uh, where it sort of started to peter out, is, and I've seen more of these than almost any others, is the books that came out about the Titanic going down in, in 1912. They were published almost instantly, and the publishers were rushing to get them out, to get them to people, to get them to stores. There was competition among many of them, and they must have had tens of thousands of people out carrying those, uh, getting people to buy it while it was still in the news, while it was still current. And you look at these, and they can be fun. Another type of salesman sample book that I've seen that are really highly collectible is children's books in the 1880s with beautiful colored lithographs. 
they were a lot thinner because children's books are small, but sometimes one sample book would have 10 or 15 books in it and with an illustration, a sample of the author. I just consider them a lot of fun. People, a lot of times, if you open up a book sometime, you're at your a friend's house, a grandmother's going to a flea market or something, and you open up a book and you see different bindings, and it goes from page 20 to page 350, it's not a defect. <laughs> that would be a salesman sample book. And there are people, most of them sell in the $25, $50 range. But if you had a salesman sample book like I have with a grant, that can be into the $1,000. Uh, Huckleberry Finn might be even a few thousand dollars. So they can range all over. And there's a never-ending supply that you can look for. So if you're a real collector, you can never run out of things. I asked the question, what are they and why are they? You just explained it brilliantly. Thank you, Ken. The, Thank uh, you. They're a lot of fun. The, the salesman sample books. Keep your eyes out for those and uh, keep listening to the Brattlecast. And remember, you can uh, write to Ken with any questions and comments and suggestions for upcoming shows. Go to brattlebookshop.com. Hey, we'll see you next time, my friend. Thank you. Well, I look forward to it. And I will say one of these shows, I've had four, five, six good questions I keep out coming up with things I like, but I'm going to do a couple of shows where people have written in, emailed in, called in, and do all of those questions.